Chapter twenty five of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. One evening Ormond walked with Sir Herbert Annerley to the seashore to look at the lighthouse which was building. He was struck with all that had been done here in the course of a few months, and especially with the alteration in the appearance of the people their countenances had changed from the look of desponding idleness and cunning to the air of busy hopeful independence he could not help congratulating sir herbert and warmly expressing a wish that he might himself in the whole course of his life do half as much good as sir herbert had already effected you will do a great deal more said sir herbert you will have a great deal more time i must make the best of the little probably the very little time i shall have while i yet live let me not live in vain yet live said ormond i hope i trust you will live many years to be happy and to make others so your strength seems quite re-established you have all the appearance of health sir herbert smiled but shook his head my dear ormond do not trust to outward appearances too much do not let my friends entirely deceive themselves i know that my life cannot be long i wish before i die to do as much good as i can the manner in which these words were said and the look with which they were accompanied impressed ormond at once with a conviction of the danger fortitude and magnanimity of the person who spoke to him the hectic colour the brilliant eye the vividness of fancy the superiority of intellectual powers the warmth of the affections and the amiable gentleness of the disposition of this young man were alas but so many fatal indications of his disease the energy with which with decreasing bodily and increasing mental strength he pursued his daily occupations and performed more than every duty of his station the never-failing temper and spirits with which he sustained the hopes of many of his friends were but so many additional causes of alarm to the too experienced mother florence with less experience and with a temper happily prone to hope was more easily deceived she could not believe that a being whom she saw so full of life could be immediately in danger of dying her brother had now but a very slight cough he had to all appearance recovered from the accident by which they had been so much alarmed when they were in england the physicians had pronounced that with care to avoid cold and all violent exertion he might do well and last long to fulfil the conditions was difficult especially that which required him to refrain from any great exertion whenever he could be of service to his friends or could do any good to his fellow-creatures he spared neither mental nor bodily exertion under the influence of benevolent enthusiasm he continually forgot the precarious tenure by which he held his life it was now the middle of winter and one stormy night a vessel was wrecked on the coast near Annerley. the house was at such a distance from that part of the shore where the vessel struck that sir herbert knew nothing of it till the next morning when it was all over no lives were lost it was a small trading vessel richly laden 
knowing the vile habits of some of the people who lived on the coast sir herbert the moment he heard that there was a wreck went down to see that the property of the sufferers was protected from those depredators who on such occasions were astonishingly alert ormond accompanied him and by their joint exertions much of the property was placed in safety under a military guard some had been seized and carried off before their arrival but not by any of sir herbert's tenants it became pretty clear that the neighbors on sir ulic o'shane's estate were the offenders they had grown bold from impunity and from the belief that no gentleman would choose to interfere with them on account of their landlord sir herbert's indignation rose ormond pledged himself that sir ulic o'shane would never protect such wretches and eager to assist public justice to defend his guardian and above all to calm sir herbert and prevent him from overexerting himself he insisted upon being allowed to go in his stead with the party of military who were to search the suspected houses it was with some difficulty that he prevailed he parted with sir herbert and struck at the moment with his highly raised colour and the violent heat and state of excitation he was in ormond again urged him to remember his own health and his mother and sister i will i do said sir herbert but it is my duty to think of public justice before i think of myself the apprehension ormond felt in quitting sir herbert recurred frequently as he rode on in silence but he was called into action and it was dissipated ormond spent nearly three hours searching a number of wretched cabins from which the male inhabitants fled at the approach of the military leaving the women and children to make what excuses and tell what lies they could this the women and children executed with great readiness and ability and in the most pity-moving tones imaginable the inside of an irish cabin appears very different to those who come to claim hospitality and to those who come to detect offenders ormond having never before entered a cabin with a search warrant constable or with the military he was not up to the thing as both the sergeant and constable remarked to each other while he listened to the piteous story of a woman about a husband who had broken his leg from a ladder serving the masons at sir herbert's lighthouse and was lying at the hospital not expected footnote not expected to live the husband was lying all the time with both his legs safe and sound in a potato furrow within a few yards of the house and the child of another eloquent matron was running off with a pair of silver-mounted pistols taken from the wreck which he was instructed to hide in a bog-hole snug the bog-water never rusting in one hovel for the houses of these wretches who lived by pillage after all their ill-gotten gains were no better than hovels in one of them in which as the information stated some valuable plunder was concealed they found nothing but a poor woman groaning in bed and two little children one crying as if its heart would break and the other sitting up behind the mother's bolster supporting her after the soldiers had searched every place in vain even the thatch of the house 
the woman showing no concern all the while but groaning on seeming scarce able to answer mr ormond's questions the constable an old hand roughly bid her get up that they might search the bed this ormond would not permit she lay still thanking his honour faintly and they quitted the house the goods which had been carried off were valuable and were hid in the straw of the very bed on which the woman was lying as they were returning homewards after their fruitless search when they had passed the boundary of sir ulick's and had reached sir herbert's territory they were overtaken by a man who whispered something to the sergeant which made him halt and burst out a-laughing the laugh ran through the whole sergeant's guard and reached ormond's ears who asking the cause of it was told how the woman had cheated them and how she was now risen from her bed and was dividing the prize among the lawful owners share and share alike these lawful owners all risen out of the potato furrows and returning from the bogs were now assembled holding their bed of justice at the moment the sergeant's information came off their captain with a bottle of whisky in his hand was drinking to the health of sir ulic o'shane our worthy landlord seldom comes a better the same to his ward harry ormond esq and may his eyesight never be better nor worse harry ormond instantly turned his horse's head much provoked at having been duped and resolved that the plunderers should not now escape by the advice of sergeants and constables he dismounted that no sound of horses hoofs might give notice from a distance though indeed on the sands of the seashore no horse's tread he thought could be heard he looked round for some one with whom he could leave his horse but not a creature except the men who were with him was in sight what can have become of all the people said ormond it is not the workmen's dinner hour and they are gone from the work at the lighthouse and the horses and cars are left without any one with them he went on a few paces and saw a boy who seemed to be left to watch the horses and who looked very melancholy the boy did not speak as ormond came up what is the matter said ormond something dreadful has happened speak did not you hear it sir said the boy i'd be loath to tell it you has anything happened to sir herbert ay the worst that could runnin' to stop one of them villains that was makin' off with something from the wreck he dropped sudden as if he was shot and when they went to lift him up but you'll drop yourself sir said the boy give him some of the water out of the bucket can't she here's my cap said the sergeant ormond was made to swallow the water and recovering his senses heard one of the soldiers near him say twas only a faint sir herbert took i'll engage the thought was new life to ormond he started up mounted his horse and galloped off saw no creature on the road found a crowd at the gate of the avenue the crowd opened to let him pass many voices calling him as he passed to beg him to send out word this gave him fresh hopes since nothing certain was known he spurred on his horse but when he reached the house as he was going to sir herbert's room he was met by sir herbert's own man o'reilly 
the moment he saw o'reilly's face he knew there was no hope he asked no question the surgeon came out and told him that in consequence of having broke a blood vessel which bled internally sir herbert had just expired his mother and sister were with him ormond retired he begged the servants would write to him at dr cambray's and he immediately went away two days after he had a note from o'reilly written in haste at a very early hour in the morning to say that he was just setting out with the hearse to the family burial-place at herbert it having been thought best that the funeral should not be in this neighbourhood on account of the poor people at hanley being so exasperated against those who were thought to be the immediate occasion of his death sir herbert's last orders to o'reilly were to this effect to take care and to have everything done as privately as possible no pomp of funeral was indeed necessary for such a person the great may need it the good need it not they are mourned in the heart and they are remembered without vain pageantry if public sorrow can soothe private grief and surely in some measure it must the family and friends of this young man had this consolation but they had another and a better it is the triumph of religion and of its ministers to be able to support the human heart when all other resources are of little avail time it is true at length effaces the recollections of misfortune and age deadens the sense of sorrow but that power to console is surely far superior in its effect more worthy of a rational and a social being which operates not by contracting or benumbing our feelings and faculties but by expanding and ennobling them inspiring us not with stoic indifference to the pains and pleasures of humanity but with pious submission to the will of heaven to the order and orderer of the universe End of chapter twenty five